I did the chicken cross the playground <laughs> to get to the other slide. And I think that joke smoothly moves us on to what we're going to be thinking about over the coming weeks, the cross. I wonder if anyone here has heard of the game Crossy Road. Uh, I love to play a little bit of the game Crossy Road. It's maybe a little bit of an old school one now, uh, but I've played it for many years, but I'm awful at it. Essentially, what the game comprises of is you get your phone and you have to help a chicken or another unlockable character cross the road. It's quite simple. You get to move forward, backwards, left or right. Uh, and you've got to avoid fast-moving trucks and fast-moving taxis, cars and other perilous vehicles and hazards. I'm able to get through the first few levels, but when it comes to the big, super-duper, mega-highways you've got to cross, I'm hopeless. I have absolutely no chance. And that's ultimately why in real life we have bridges, traffic lights, zebra crossings, lollipop people. It's too dangerous to cross a super-duper mega-highway on our own. It might as well be a perilous chasm. We need help. And ultimately, our need for help is why Jesus came. So we could cross the totally perilous, super-duper mega-highway of sin to get to the other side. Philippians 2, verse 6 to 10 says, Who though Christ Jesus, who though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the one without sin, the one who didn't make anything that deserved death, he came and he died on the cross himself. He gave us the crossing as he came and died on the cross. He came and he effectively died, he crossed that super duper mega highway of sin and he died whilst crossing that, that road that we might not die on the cross but we might reach eternal life and life in all its fullness, all that's available on the other side. And that's the thing. When an accident like this, Jesus dying on the cross, when he's crossing the road, hit by sin, even a super duper mega highway is closed. It's investigated. Emergency services come. The traffic stops for a while. And the opportunity's there for us to cross safely. Jesus willingly gave up his life so we could cross that super duper mega highway of sin safely. But the road will reopen and the traffic will restart. Now, when I was at school, I was taught a song to help me cross the road safely. I can't remember most of it, so I'm not going to inflict most of it on you, but I'm going to inflict the salient points on you. It went, stop, look, and listen. So I had to stop, you had to look, and you had to listen. And I was taught this is essential when you're going kind to of cross a road, so we're going to use these three points, stop, look, and listen, as we look at this super-duper mega-highway of sin. So let's stop, look, and listen. So, as you approach a road, a busy road or any road, you need to stop a safe distance from the road. You need to appreciate the danger and stop before it takes you out. So here, we're approaching this super-duper mega-highway of sin. 
and we need to stop. But why do we need to stop in front of this super-duper mega-highway? What is it? What could be so dangerous about a highway of sin? Just like, oh, well, not, maybe not quite just like, but just like when I'm playing Crossy Road, trying to get my chicken across the perilous motorway, I fail. I just can't do it on my own. I'm going to get taken out by a fast-moving vehicle. But this isn't just a super-duper mega-highway on a phone game. It's a super-duper mega-highway of sin. It's a cosmic super-duper mega-highway of sin. And it's a highway that we've built between us and God, saying to God, we don't need you. We can make it on our own over here. As we've surrounded ourselves with their latest fads, the latest gratifications, the lusts of the flesh, as we sought more money, more power, more control, more stuff, more self-determination, we've allowed this highway to be built. This highway that brings us all we want when we want it at high speeds. It's not just next day delivery or even delivery within five hours. But this is a highway of sin that brings us whatever we want, when we want it, to the point of excess. It's a highway designed to bring us what we want here and now. But this highway we've built around ourselves also cuts us off from God. Humanity, you and I, have allowed it to be built. We've been taken in by its lure, by all it offers. We've allowed ourselves to be cut off from God. And suddenly, before we know it, we're trapped. We can always have more of this, more of that. We can, but the highway never stops. We can never stop wanting more. We never stop wanting things to the point of excess, whether that's money, food, power, control, things to be done exactly as I want them to be done. All of us will have contributed to this super-duper mega-highway in some way. We've allowed this to happen. We're taken in by the lure of sin, the lure of things we can have, lust for, desire, worship here and now that contributes to this super-duper mega-highway that cuts us off from God. But you may think, I don't do that. I don't lust after power. I don't consume too much. I'm very measured. I love other people. I don't hurt them. I don't worship stuff. I'm not miserly. Essentially, you might think, I care about other people. I'm not a selfish person. But Scripture tells us something else. Scripture tells us we all sin, including me, including you, all of us. And it goes further. 1 John 1 verse 8 tells us, if we claim to be without sin, the truth is not in us. So do you sin? Maybe you're still not convinced. I mean, I'm essentially a good bloke. I'm not like this person at work. Or that person who used to be on TV. I'm not selfish. I don't hurt myself or other people in what I do. I'm not a sinner. How dare you? I don't contribute to this super-duper mega-highway of sin. Now, the theologian Wayne Grudem defines sin as any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or manner. Any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or manner. Now, if that seems a little deep theologically, then think about this. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Do we do that? Do I do that? Do you do that? 
Do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength? I know I certainly fall short of this. I can be driving along the car, happily feeling the mood and feeling in the presence of God, and then I catch up with someone going a bit below the speed limit. A flash of frustration comes across me. I get angry. I get frustrated for no apparent reason. I'm not in a rush. I don't, they're not really doing anything wrong. But I was there worshipping, and suddenly this small thing distracts me, and I fall short. I'm unforgiving. I feel totally unjustifiable anger. And this is when I'm intentionally worshipping God, when I'm feeling his presence. What about the times when I'm not necessarily feeling it, when I'm not giving him all that time and singing in worship? Maybe that's even easier. Even if you think you're an all-round decent person, can you honestly say that you love God in all times and all places with all heart, mind, soul, and strength? That means all times, all places. I don't think anyone can. If you think you can, please do speak to me off the service because I'd love to know your, your, your um, secret. And this is sin. When we fall short... When we miss the mark of God's perfect moral standard. It's not just about selfishness in attitude and thinking about ourselves above all else. Though that is definitely sin and probably a major part of sin that we do. But it's actually when we don't give absolutely everything, all of who we are, to God. So, this super duper mega highway of sin, we've built it. We've necessitated its building. We've filled its roads with fast-moving vehicles, ultimately because what they offer is more important to us than total devotion to God. There may well be trucks of greed, motorcycles of lust, SUVs of gluttony, 4 by 4s of envy, but there are also saloons of convenience, MPVs of just about good enough, scooters of, but I'm not a bad person, estates of, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Sin is anything that falls short of everything. And the super-duper mega-highway is heaving with vehicles that attest to the fact God isn't our everything. And our lives aren't living up to perfection. It's a road that demonstrates good enough isn't good enough. This super-duper mega-highway is of our own making and it points to the fact that we let things get in the way of total dedication to God, total commitment to God, total godliness. And it cuts us off. It cuts us off from God. So this is why we stop. We have to. We can't just stroll over to eternal life, life in all its fullness with God. We've created this super-duper mega-highway, and it separates us. We can't just cross. It's our sin. Our sin separates us from God. But that's not where it ends. Thank goodness I hear you say that's all a bit morbid. Or maybe more appropriately, thank God. How did it go? Stop, look, and listen. So we've come to this super deep and mega highway of sin, and we've had to stop. We can't reach the other side on our own. But look, there's a bus coming. Sad, you think. You see so many buses on this mega highway, but they never seem to stop. They tease you and taunt you, but there's no escape. You can't get a bus to the other side. But what's that? Who's that? What's going on? Look, there's someone being thrown onto the road. Why don't you cross safely if you're really our saviour, if you're really the son of God, comes a taunt. And Jesus as he's thrown into the road, 
willingly walks out to cross it as he's thrown out. No one's ever tried to cross this road before. It's too reckless. And the idea of such a reckless attempt to cross over this super-duper mega highway has become known as the cross. It's become, been written into folklore in this world. Jesus is thrown onto the cross. Jesus is quite literally being thrown under the bus. You look in horror as this man willingly walks to his death on the cross. As though he always knew it was coming. And this, this is a real death. He turns and he looks to all watching from the side of the road. But somehow it feels like he's looking directly at you. Everything goes into slow motion. The bus, the lorries, the cars, the people, everything. And he seems to look directly at you. And as he does so, Jesus' mouth seems to be moving. But your adrenaline is high. You're looking, but you aren't able to listen. You're distracted by everything that's going on. And after what seems like an age, the slow motion suddenly speeds up again. Suddenly, all the traffic grinds to a halt. It quickly becomes clear Jesus has died on the cross. The road is closed, naturally. But this, this is unnatural. It's so sudden. The roadblocks appear out of nowhere as if to split the road in two. It's like the parting of the Red Sea, but it's the parting of the super-duper mega-highway of sin. This isn't just a real death. It's a supernatural death, different to all other deaths. And it would end in Jesus taking back his life. And it's at this point you realise what Jesus was doing. Why he went willingly. He's made a way. John 14, verse 6 says, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The traffic has ground to a halt. Still there, but it's ground to a halt. He's taken the sting of sin, the hit of sin, not of his sin, but your sin, of my sin, of the sins of the whole world, for the wages of sin is death. This was a real death a supernatural one, but it was also rather unnatural. It wasn't right that Jesus should have to die for our sins because he did no sin. And through his death, he's made a way over to eternal life, life in all its fullness. We were sinners. We were the ones that built the super-duper mega-highway. We were the ones who filled it with fast-moving trucks to cater to our desires for things other than God. We're the ones who built this super-duper mega-highway between us and God. And ultimately, we were the ones to throw Jesus under the bus. But Jesus, he went willingly. But he didn't deserve it. And yet, as Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The question is, then, will you take it? Do you want to cross? Or will you set to work at repairing the super-duper highway and finding new routes so all your whims and desires can continue to be satisfied ever faster, ever more gluttonously? Do you want God as much as God wanted you? Are you willing to die to your sin, knowing Jesus died for your sin and cross the road? Or are you not willing to give up that much? Not willing to say yes to all God is? 
Jesus died on the cross so that you can cross to be with the Father, so that you can be with him, that you may realize life in all its fullness isn't about a never-ending tirade of trucks, lorries, cars, buses, bringing you what you want and when you want it. But ultimately, that leads to separation, to death, to destruction. Life in all its fullness is about something more. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He says that in John 10. He offers us eternal life, as Jesus says in John 3.16. It's about relationship with him. He wants to sit and eat with us, as we read in Revelation 3.20. It's about being loved and being in relationship with the creator of the universe. So as we stop and as we look, will you cross the road? Will you accept Jesus' sacrifice? Or will you wait? Will you look to rebuild that highway? And only once it's reopened, realize it's too late. And that's the story most of us know, isn't it? Well, maybe it's a take on the story most of us know. But it's a way of thinking of a story and seeing the terrifying impact of sin and our involvement in it and how Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, showing his power over death as he then is resurrected. All so we could know we can be with him in heaven. But in amongst all the uh, adrenaline-fueled frenzy of Jesus dying on the cross, something else happened. Maybe you missed it. Jesus spoke. But when we come to a dangerous road, we must listen. As I was taught as a boy, we need to stop, look, and listen. Remember, you look in horror as this man, thrown in front of the bus, willingly walks to his death on the cross. He turns and looks to all watching from the side of the road, but somehow he feels he's looking directly at you. Everything goes into slow motion. The bus, the lorries, the cars, the people, everything. As he seems to look directly at you, Jesus' mouth seems to be moving. What did Jesus say? What was so important for him to say as he readied himself to die, to take the consequences, the impact, the sin, sting of our sin as we threw him under the bus? What did Jesus say? And this is what we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks. We're going to be listening to the seven things, seven things Jesus says before dying on the cross. And as we listen, I'm sure many of us will experience anew and afresh what the centurion recognized at the foot of Jesus' cross. Truly, this was the Son of God. Seven things. We know the story of Jesus' death. We know the story of Jesus' resurrection. I wonder if all of us could recite the seven things Jesus said on the cross as he spoke, as he was being killed, as we ultimately put him to death for our sin. But for now, that's for the future weeks now, we're going to stop and we're going to look before we listen. We're going to stop to recognize the perilous, devastating impact of our sin, separating us from God. We're going to look to the sacrifice Jesus willingly made 
that we may have everlasting life. Life in all its fullness. Life in loving relationship with God. So why don't we stand as we're able as the band comes up? And we're going to stop. We're going to observe the chasm that lays between us and God. We're going to observe that super-duper mega highway of sin that we've built and filled. Notice how we've contributed to it. Recognize the ways in which we miss the mark, ways we fall short. Maybe uh, when we confessed our sins earlier on in today's service, you weren't really thinking it's easy, but we're just saying liturgy just to say what we always say. But now's your chance to think about it when we confess. What is it you have to bring before the Lord now and to say sorry for? Let's take a moment now to just lay all the things that we do that, that we don't live up to the mark, that don't live up to who God is. Lay them before us and say, God, we're sorry. We recognize the sin in our life. One of the things about sin is it would be so easy to think that oh, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. It must be okay. Or everyone's doing it. Nobody's going to notice me. Nobody's going to notice that little car in the midst of that busy, busy highway bringing me what I want. But God knows. And God has a better way. God wants better for you. He wants better for all of us. So as we look into our own lives, as we think about what it is that we do that doesn't live up to the mark, what it is that is sin, let's try not to excuse ourselves saying, well, everyone does it. Or do things that are hidden, but knowing that God sees it. Let's just lay it all out before God, willingly. Not try to hide it. Not try to excuse it to ask God to take it away as we lay it down. So Holy Spirit, we, we pray that you just move here now. That if there's anything that's, or anything that is sinful in our lives, anything that falls short, you might show us a better way. You might give us the, the confidence in you to let go confidence in you to think, to realize we're not living up to the mark, but just to trust you. 
highlight anything in our lives that needs to be changed that you want to change. Anything that is hindering us from seeing life in all its fullness. Anything that's stopping us from seeing more of you, more of you in our lives, seeing what we were made to be, who we were made to be, seeing our identity, which is in you. Stopping us from seeing your unbelievable generosity to us. What is it that we have to bring before the Lord now? And it's important to think about these things. It's important to notice where sin is in our lives, when things we fall short in, in our lives are. But we shouldn't be paralyzed when we see it. It's not something we just see it and think, woe is me. And everything goes wrong and we stop and we think, I can't do anything about this. Like, nothing can be done. I'm a hopeless case. We don't just stop, we then look. We look at what happened on that cross as Jesus crossed the mega, super duper mega highway of sin as he took the hit of our sin. When we see Jesus thrown under the bus willingly, when we see that, we see Jesus speak. We see Jesus willingly take the fall for our own sin. And we see the road split into the perilous risk of that traffic on the, that traffic of sin is briefly assuaged. The curtain is torn in two. We have access to our Father because of Jesus. So as we stop, we know what we want to lay before the Lord, but we look. We look and, and recognize that Jesus has taken our sin upon himself. We just need to go and cross. That, that, that gap, that chasm has been bridged by that cross. So as we stop noting our sin, look and see that our sin can be taken away. Let's ask God that we're ready to listen. Listen to the words of Christ as he faced his death. His death for us. What did Jesus have to say that was so important for us to hear when he was on that cross? I'm going to invite the, the ministry team forward now to both sides. And if, as we've stopped and looked, as you've stopped and looked, you've realized uh, you've, you've not been listening to the Father. You might have stopped. You might have looked. But you've not allowed the words of the Father to sink in to you. You've left it out. Let's just spend some time asking God to give us ears to hear. Ears to hear here and now what he wants to say to us here and now. And ears to hear what he wants to say to us over the coming weeks as he prepares our hearts. As we walk towards Easter, hear what Jesus said on the cross as he died for us. It's important we don't just stop and look, but we listen. We listen with our hearts and allow our head knowledge, what we've stopped and recognized, what we've looked at, recognize that actually Jesus has to speak into that. He wants to speak into our hearts. It's not just a head thing, it's a head and heart thing. There'll be people here yearning to hear God speak to them. And if this is you, I really encourage you to come forward for prayer, to ask God to speak to you now and in the coming weeks.